On this episode of 1.21 Gigawatts, we talk to Summer Glau, star of Firefly, Serenity, Terminator, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, and much, much more. And we celebrate the release of Action Comics number 1000 and the 80th anniversary of Superman. Now, straight from the R&D department of Cyberdyne Systems, this is 1.21 Gigawatts! Hey there, and welcome to 1.21 Gigawatts, episode number 27 for April 2018. I'm your host, Brad Barton. This podcast is meant to shine a spotlight on the aspects of geek pop culture that I think are cool and noteworthy and deserve to be celebrated. And I intend to do that not only by bringing you interviews with the creators of that nerdly awesomeness, but also with a series of rotating segments and features that take a deep dive into a specific geeky topic. In just a few months, we'll mark the 80th anniversary for not only the granddaddy, the template of all comic book superheroes, but also one of the most recognizable fictional creations of the 20th century. He remains one of the most popular characters in comic book fandom and shows no signs of slowing down, even when confronted with green kryptonite. That character is neither bird nor plane, but is, of course, Superman, the last son of Krypton. Comic book collectors know that Wednesday is new comic book release day each week, and enthusiasts of Smallville's most famous son were able to get their fix early on Wednesday, April 18th, 12.01 a.m. to be precise, when midnight openings of comic book stores across the country celebrated the release of Action Comics number 1000, basically Superman's anniversary observed. 1,000 issues following Superman's debut in 1938's Action Comics number 1 The 80-page comic features an all-star lineup of talent, paying tribute to the creation of Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster, two kids from Cleveland, Ohio, who channeled the essence of the American experience into the idealistic man from another world. Some generations may have been like, uh, it's kind of corny or whatever, but, you know, in the end, you know, as people get older and they kind of realize, eh, at least stand for something. And I think a lot of people associate that, you know, also with, you know, uh, Americans as being immigrants, We're all immigrants, and he's an immigrant too, so I think there's still that association. Steve Olson is the owner of A Little Shop of Comics in Scotch Plains, New Jersey, one of the stores that put Action Comics number 1000, all 10 of the variant cover options from publisher DC Comics, out on shelves at midnight to satisfy the fans who were eager to be the first to celebrate the event. The milestone of any series hitting 1000 issues isn't lost on Steve. Well, it shows longevity. It shows sustainability, um, even though it's not 12 issues per year, because there are some <laughs> bi-weeklies here and there, sure. some weeklies, but it still shows that, you know, they again, a company that stuck to their guns uh, in a time of renumbering and renumbering and renumbering, they stuck to their guns. I mean, they did it once, but that was it. You know, other companies do it a lot more frequently nowadays. Yeah. Mingling among the sleepy-eyed grown-ups at the midnight event was an elementary school-aged boy named Calvin, whose nose was buried in a Thanos comic book from rival publisher Marvel. Turns out, he's actually a little indifferent towards Superman, but was happy to reveal his preference in costumed superheroes. I don't know, like Spider-Man, I guess? So, so who's, the, who's the Superman fan here in the family? 
probably am. <laughs> it's more to get to actually the, the big event for a number of thousand. Right? Sure. So is, is it cool being out here at midnight? Yeah, very. Are you going to be tired in the morning? Probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah probably. I'm not sure Superman would approve of Calvin's late-night adventures on a school night. Spider-Man might. Thanos definitely would. But it's hard to argue with some parent-child bonding time at the comic book store. Maybe when Action Comics hits 2,000 issues, it'll sink in for Calvin. Until then, a tip of the hat to the various writers, artists, editors, colorists, and more who have shown through good years and bad that standing up for what's right and trying to be the best person you can be never goes out of style. Now, Calvin, seriously, you need to get some sleep, buddy. There are plenty of good reasons why actress Summer Glau is geek pop culture royalty. She has been a part of a huge amount of sci-fi franchises, including Arrow, Alphas, The Cape, Dollhouse, and of course, Terminator, The Sarah Connor Chronicles, Firefly, and the feature film Serenity. But as great as she is on screen as a Terminator or as everyone's favorite unstable psychic weapon saving the crew of the Serenity from doom, in person, Summer is kind, thoughtful, self-effacing, and it's easy to see why she's attracted legions of fans. Without further ado, live on tape, directly from the Garden State Comic Fest Atlantic City Edition, here's my panel discussion with Summer Glau. My name is Brad Barton. I'm the host of the 1.21 Gigawatts podcast. It is my privilege to welcome to the stage a woman who has entertained us in so many of the shows that we regard among our favorites. Among them, of course, she starred as Cameron Phillips, the Terminator, on Terminator Sarah Connor's Chronicles, and as River Tam in Firefly and Serenity. Please welcome Summer Glau. Stairs to take on people. <laughs> Hi. 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 Hi, guys. So you just wander right around the corner and we throw you up on stage. I mean, what? Where? What room is I this? I like this room because it almost seems like a like a, um, a little theater. Sure. Yes. Like it's community like a theater. Black box theater. Yeah. A community <laughs> I'll theater. I'll be doing you... several monologues. Now. <laughs> yeah, no, I won't. <laughs> we're going to be performing our town shortly <laughs> yeah. after, right after the panel. Um, so thank you for joining us. I'd. Uh, you know, it's always a challenge because I know you've done so many of these to think like, what question has Summer not been asked in all of this time? So uh, I'm going to start way back at the beginning. Um, before you okay. began your screen career, you were a dancer, of course. Yes? That's true. Whew. All right. So far, so good. <laughs> uh, in fact, your first TV credit was as a dancer on a 2002 episode of Angel. So this might seem like a silly question, but as, as acting started to take off for you, did you ever... Uh, have any thoughts of, oh no, what about my dancing? Was it weird to walk away from something you had spent so much time working on? Not walk away from, but the shift was beginning. That's true, uh, and it was. It was It was uncomfortable for me uh, there in the beginning because I had uh, danced all my life and I really thought that that was my identity. Mm. So it was very... Uh, uh, it was intimidating to uh, walk away from that. And I remember kind of uh, symbolically, I had very, very, very long hair. You know, as a dancer, you always have it up. And I remember when I got to LA, 
I I was still dancing, but I I I was trying acting, and I remember my first manager said, you know, that I needed to be more. She had a few catchphrases like hip and trendy, or <laughs> casual and real. She would call me and she would say, hey, Summer, you got a commercial audition. Keep hip and trendy, or <laughs> or what, what? There was one like fresh and sporty. This one's fresh and sporty, but they told me I needed to cut my hair, and. Uh, I don't know why it was really it was hard for me I, and I still have long hair but um but I I remember I was sitting in my apartment and I couldn't afford to go get it cut so I sure. just cut it myself Whoa. and uh it felt actually really liberating because the difference one of the one of the differences that I really enjoyed uh between acting and ballet is that in classical ballet you 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 go to class every day and you look in the mirror and you try to perfect the same steps over and over again you try you you and you'll never be perfect but that's the that's the the intention and 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 the motivation is to be perfect and then when you become an actor uh, no one's the same no role is the same and and no one can no one can uh, replicate a performance. Each performance is unique and different, and I really kind of enjoyed the spontaneity of it and getting to uh, kind of be messy. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And it was pretty messy there, especially, especially in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> was it? How, how, how was it messy? Was it just the uncertainty of the whole thing or just not knowing what was going to be next? Like, you know, you, you get your first big moments, whether it's the commercial that I've got to cut my hair, what? Yeah. Or, um, or, or Angel or something and like, okay, something is happening, but then trying to see if there's momentum that's going to continue to something else or if like, okay, that's it. Thanks very much. Oh, Hollywood yeah. Says, Good night. That's all. The, oh, the, the rush of not knowing if you're, if, if you're ever going to get a job or not or, or going to an audition and not knowing, you know, when you walk into the room, are you going to freeze up or are you going to have one of those transcendent moments where you actually do escape into the character and, and get uh, uh, sort of transported? Because that does happen. It can go either way. I've been in auditions where I feel like I'm watching myself dying and, <laughs> and I, I wish I could just disappear. And then I've had auditions where I just feel so alive and, and, um, and, and I, I f and you could hit, you can hit this place in your, in, in your, um, scene where you don't, where you don't remember what happened because you really were so wrapped up in it. Mm -hmm. So that, that is one of the highs of being an actor and one of the lows. You, you have to learn how to really let go of it after you walk out. And then one of the other, I think, um, messy parts of it for me was that I didn't have any training at all. I somehow thought I could do it. I don't know why. <laughs> and my parents let me. They drove me out to L.A. Oh, wow. And when, when we arrived, I, I said, can, can we please change our mind and, and pretend this never happened? I'll pay for the hotel rooms. Just drive me back to Texas, and, and we won't talk about it again. And my dad said, you know, sit down. Why don't you go take a bubble bath and relax? And, you know, you are good enough to do this. You can do this. He always, you know, told me that um, that I was born good enough. And I said, I don't know. I just feel like I can do this. And... And uh, I would go into, I, I did take some acting classes when I first arrived and, and I had all these just really strong emotions and sometimes they would get the better of me and I would be in the middle of a scene and my scene partner would mouth, are you okay? <laughs> and I would just keep going, you know, so it was messy, it was messy. And then when I, when I finally got cast in, in, um, 
in Firefly, I remember just having days where I, I really did not know what I was doing. They would be filming, they'd be filming me and I didn't understand anything about finding my light or finding my mark. The camera guy would actually have to reach around the camera and move me <laughs> into my light. It Physically was that bad. Place, yes, right? and I would just keep going because I was, you know, I was, I was still a ballerina, so I wanted to be perfect, and so I would just keep going. And <laughs> so there were a lot of <laughs> messy moments. Sure, sure. Needless to say, I like that. Well, I think it's impressive that your family was so behind you. I mean, there are so many stories of people that are like, "I'm going to California," and we'll check yeah. out who who are either not supported or uh, who, of course, struggle or whatever the case might be. But um, that you're that your dad was there to give you the strength that you needed even when you were ready to back out. I think that's really very impressive and makes a huge difference. So blessed, sure. so blessed. My parents sure. supported me from the very beginning. They they used to do things like they would clean the ballet studio to pay for my lessons, you wow. know. They they were, they, I wouldn't be here without them. My, my mom stayed with me in LA, um, even though the, it was really scary for us our, our first day in LA. Um, the traffic was so crazy for us. We'd never what? been that in traffic sound like, like that. LA. That's weird. <laughs> our our <laughs> our rearview mirror got knocked off. Like somebody was <laughs> passing us in a in a in a motorcycle and just knocked our our rearview mirror off. And it was it was pretty crazy. So I'm very very blessed to yeah. have. And I hope that I can be that for my children as well and not be micromanaging um, a stage mom. <laughs> sure, sure. Let's let's talk a little bit more about Firefly. Uh, there we go. It, <laughs> that quiet applause. A golf clap for Firefly. Um, so, of course, for those of you who don't know, of course you know, your character from Firefly and Serenity River Tam is a young girl on the run who has been experimented on by government scientists, has the capability to be an incredibly powerful psychic weapon, which leads me to the question, does Stranger Things owe anyone royalties for the similarities to... <laughs> I'm kidding! I love the Stranger Things. I love that. Um, I, the, the story of Firefly's production is such a crazy one, uh, of course, with, you know, truncated season and being shifted around and such a strange relationship with Fox. Um, I'm sure that that experience alone brought the cast uh, closer together, as have subsequent reunions at conventions over the years. But I'm curious uh, about what your first impressions were of the rest of the group when you were there, aside from when you weren't working on finding your light and being shifted slightly by the by the cameraman were there anyone was there anyone among that group that you were fast friends with or did you think i don't know about this fillion guy i don't think i want to <laughs> oh gosh i have so many so many first impressions <laughs> um first of all i think nathan was the first person i met i've told this story before but uh <laughs> i give him a hard time because when i when I went to the, the network test, I went to the studio test, and it was my first test. I had never auditioned to be a series regular, let alone tested for a series regular. And my, my manager was there with me to help me understand how to sign the, the paperwork, because you, you have to sign uh, the contract before you go in and read for the executives in case they choose you. And so I showed up, and, and Nathan was sitting on the sign-in table so I thought he worked there. And he was like, come on in, sign up here. I was like, okay. And he was like, water. And I, <laughs> I uh, so I, I, um, I don't remember much else other than it was hours of, of waiting mm -hmm. and, and people going in and out. And then 
eventually I realized that Nathan wasn't was an actor and he came out of the room and I I said so how was it and he said don't worry I'm pretty sure we're not auditioning for the same role <laughs> 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 and um I remember I remember the the being in there and reading and and it feeling it was similar to this room very dark and I could I could barely make out the faces which was a good thing because I was so nervous and it almost felt like being a dancer again it felt like a like a stage where I knew that people were watching but I I I felt somehow separated and that made me feel safe and uh I don't I, I think I may have seen Alan that day as well and then um I went to the table read and it was just I was I was incredibly um underqualified to be there. I did not know how to mm-hmm. I had never um I had just I'd never been to a table read before. Everyone else was such such so professional and had done it countless times and I um I didn't know how to how to um put the new drafts in with my script. I was watching people shuffle around pages <laughs> and I was just like, you know, acting like I knew how to do it and uh then th- uh I remember meeting Jewel for the first time and Jewel is like the coolest girl in school. You know, she's been mm. acting since she was a kid. Incredibly fashionable and beautiful and I remember she had uh I remember she had the best perfume and she smelled great and she was just so cool and smart and co- really comfortable with herself and then there was me the complete opposite and uh I remember Sean just being the most beautiful uh elegant uh charming and kind person I I instantly fell in love with him and Gina was like um this goddess uh with a deep laugh and such wisdom and kindness and you know Marina wasn't at the original table read uh-huh. it was a different actress okay. cast okay. and um then seeing her in real life was was very surreal so beautiful so elegant and um Adam was like my dad like my set dad <laughs> and i remember him telling me you know kid they're not all going to be like this And I was like, "Really? Aren't they? Aren't they sir?" <laughs> Cuz I just uh, I didn't know any different and he was right. They aren't all like that at all. And um I didn't know how lucky I was and and how safe I felt and they all really cut me some slack for not knowing. They always treated me like I belonged there mm-hmm. and like I deserved to be there. Luckily, it was a kind of role where you could be little off and still fit in, but um they were all incredible to me. So then by the time you had had lived the adventure of Firefly uh and made your way to uh playing Cameron on the Sarah Connor's Chronicles, then was that a totally different approach going in? Did then did you walk in feeling like, "Okay, all right, I know the drill here. This is okay." <laughs> you would think, but no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I still kind of have that um a, a little bit of a tentative quality, but I I I I did feel more comfortable and the great thing about terminator was that it was the longest it was it was the longest i was on set with one group of people mm-hmm. especially the crew i really enjoyed after you know my really rough start with not knowing how to help the crew do their job i i really enjoyed the process of working with the with the people behind the camera sure. because you can really either make their life great or make their life a living hell and arguably and in both. turn 
if yeah exactly yes so it was really fun to to um, have that camaraderie and that teamwork and that kind of synergy and I, I saw the process the progress of starting out getting to know each other how each other works how how this actor likes to rehearse or how that DP likes to light or how um, you know how you can help uh, the steady cam operator and and who's your prop who's your prop team and I saw that over those seasons of working together we got better and better and better and um, I found that to be a lot of fun and and with the character I um, I I tried to skip the audition and my mom found out (laughs) and (laughs) my mom gave me a hard time and said you know that's not you and you need to be professional and go to your audition so I went and um, I never I just never thought I would get the role I thought it was uh, silly for me to go and is, is that why you wanted to skip it did you think like this isn't me yeah I'm like I this is this is not a Terminator this is <laughs> no this is silly and um and I I went and I saw Josh in the room for the first time Josh Friedman and I I didn't realize that he was the showrunner um until I walked into the room and then I thought oh man I wish I'd worked on my lines more <laughs> and um I, I didn't really know how to approach a Terminator. I, I just, I, I was, I was a little bit lost. And um, uh, it took me a while to kind of figure out how am I going to, how, how am I going to get the audience to connect with her? And, and how am I going to connect with her? Mm-hmm. And over time I, I found her, I, I found her vulnerability and I found her humor and, and uh, really fell in love with with the process of 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 playing a robot, and I really still miss that role. It oh, was yeah. so much fun, and it's fun to throw cars and sure choke guys out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but no. <laughs> and then making the show is fun too. Um, so I have yeah, all kinds right. of questions here that I could keep firing at you, but okay. I by all means want to open up the floor to anyone. So if you do have a question for Summer, we've got a microphone right in the center of the room. Um, and as well, while everyone is thinking, am I going to be the first one? Am I going to do this? Um, I will. Oh, let's do this. Ladies and gentlemen, super grower. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, any of the Chinese from Firefly. Wow. In my nightmares, I do. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, gosh. Do you remember any of the Chinese from Firefly? Do you? (laughs) Well, of course. I'm I'm stalling for her. (laughs) I can't remember, but I do remember that I cussed in, in Chinese which was so scary for me because I was raised in a home where we were not allowed to say, shut up. We were not even allowed to say shut up. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I hope daddy can't translate this. <laughs> but I don't remember. Um, I, 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 I'm sure it'll come to me. If it comes to me, I'll, 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 I'll give you a real zinger. Tell you what, if, if you start speaking Chinese or start cursing at us in Chinese at any point in the middle of a, con- a question, that is fine. We will, <laughs> we will accept that. You know, a, a second ago, uh, you were talking about how cool it is to throw cars around and to, and to choke people out in the action scenes. So 
uh, on Terminator alone, your character was constantly being shot and thrown through walls and generally taking and giving some, some, some serious beatdowns. Um, it sounds like you do enjoy that sort of thing. How involved <laughs> do, you, do you like to be as far as the fight choreography? Or rather, how involved are you allowed to be is maybe the, the real question. It really depends on the show. I started out, you know, my very first job uh, as an actor was playing a ballerina, which is funny because my manager, my first manager said, just don't tell people you're a dancer or they'll think you're a dancer trying to be an actress, which I was. <laughs> and um, so I, I tried to keep that kind of in the background, but uh, it turns out that that's the first job I booked and I loved, I, I, I was such a physical person. I danced my whole life mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I expressed myself and so it was a really natural fit for me and then with 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 even with river even though i did very little dancing um in the series i i felt i felt that was a very physical role and i i ex i i tried to you know wade into those waters through her physicality mm -hmm. and then um for for serenity I, I trained very, very hard to be able to do those stunts myself because Joss wanted it that way. He wanted to be able to set the camera up and just uh, film the fight scene from start to finish without doing all these cutaways where you can tell that it's a stunt person. And uh, I loved the idea. I loved the idea. Um, <laughs> and I made it through alive. Um, and it was, it, I'm really proud of that process. It taught me a lot about myself as a person. And um, I'm very grateful for that experience now because I've worked on other sets where they just don't take the time to let the actors do it themselves. Right. That's, that's pretty standard, you yeah. know. Um, they just don't have time. When you're, when you're doing television, um, a lot of times you just don't, you, you can't set up fight rehearsals to teach the actors to do it. So you just you know, kind of cut around it and make it work. But with Terminator, I did most of it myself. I was, I was really, really um, comfortable with it. And, um, but I did get hurt quite a lot because we just didn't have time to rehearse stuff and they would say, oh, that's breakaway. Jeez. And then it wasn't breakaway. Or um, <laughs> that's that gonna fly <laughs> in that direction and then it flies right at you. <laughs> You know, but it was exhilarating. <laughs> you never knew what was going to happen. Um, and I, I miss it. I really miss it because I, I love actors. Actors are really fun, but I really love stunt people too. And oftentimes, you know, at lunchtime, I would find myself sitting at the stunt, at the stunt table <laughs> instead of with the actors. Because I, I, I still, that dancer part of me is, is, is always there. Um, but I have been on sets where you just aren't allowed to do it. Um, they just, time doesn't allow. Right. And so I'm really grateful that I had that experience. Um, humbling though it was to <laughs> go to um, martial arts camp for six months and, and really learn, immerse myself in a different, in a different world. Right, right. Were, were there ever any stunts that uh, you thought to yourself, that you were allowed to do with you thought, uh, how did I get myself into this one? I don't, don't think I want to do this stunt, guys. Um, well, there was one stunt that I, that I, I got injured doing that didn't make it into Serenity. Mm. And that one still, when I think of it, I, I still cringe because it, it really hurt so bad. And it was a running split. 
So I, I was wearing the harness and I was running and then I, I, I slid and then I, I flipped over and I was supposed to take people out uh, sliding across doing the splits. And um, the problem is I'm really flexible from being a ballet dancer, but I'm not as strong. And so I pulled, I pulled one of my groin muscles and, ah. and then I had to do all the fight scenes with the pulled groin muscle. And then that 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 stunt didn't make it in. So oh. um, that and adding insult that was to injury. Bad. Yeah, I can still remember how that how well we all certainly sympathize the the, the <laughs> low groan that went through the audience. Oh, yeah. uh, everyone shrank an inch or two when you're hearing that story. Please, yes, if you've got a question, come on up. How is my time on Arrow? It was it was great. It was good in the beginning. It was kind of. Um, it was such a different role for me, playing, you know, a, an elegant businesswoman. I, I, when they invited me to uh, be on the show, I thought they were going to have me, you know, beating some people up. And then <laughs> I showed up to my fitting, and there were high heels and jewelry, and I thought, wow. I'm going to have to fight in this. Uh, do they know who I, which one I am? Yeah, I have to fight in this, which eventually I did, and that was a lot of fun. Um, I really enjoyed the cast, and, and um, everybody was really nice, and it was, it was fun to have that alter ego because it's fun to be bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, as I'm sure you're aware, of course, I'm sure it's at every whistle stop it's covered that the fact that the Firefly fan base would love to see these characters return in some capacity someday. There we are. <laughs> Super Grover agrees. Um, is there, is there, are there projects that you'd like to revisit, whether it's Firefly or, I mean, this could be the most obscure thing that you've ever done necessarily, that you think, you know, there's another story to be told with this. Oh. Well, uh, you mean in roles that I've done in particular? Yeah, yeah. Or if, if, hey, if you've got a dream role, if there's some dream franchise out there, then we'd love to hear about that too. Well, I, I, this is, this will be a very unpopular thing to say right now, but I, I don't like anything that's already been done to be remade. I'm, I really <laughs> like to just leave it the way it was yeah. um, and, and try to tell new stories. Why is everybody in Hollywood no, redoing I things? I think there's, I think that's, I think that's amazing. I think that's admirable. And, uh, do we have to do yeah. that? I don't know. Um, I. Well, let me let me rephrase it then. Are are you aware? Like, is there a book or a play maybe that's never been filmed or anything like that? Do you, do you think that there's some untapped um, source material that is that is not film or television that um, you think would would benefit by being on screen or would be interesting to adapt? I'm a, <laughs> this might sound funny, but I'm, I'm a huge country music fan, and um, I, I love this. There's this podcast that I'm listening to right now. It's called Cocaine and Rhinestones, and it's about... Nice. Um, I am, guys, you've got to check it out. Even <laughs> if you don't like, even if you don't love country music, the way that he tells these stories about these old-timer musicians is captivating. And I would love, I, I love history too in general, and I think they should do more, um, more miniseries where they just tell history. I, and I, I would love to see actors just come in for one episode and, and um, tell this person's story and then move on to somebody else. And 
in Cocaine and Rhinestones, you know, I, I consider myself a country music fan, but I'm learning so much from this guy. And I thought to myself, I want to produce these stories and, mm. you know, just dive into, um, dive into history a little bit and, and pick a different story each week. So I guess for right now, that's kind of what I'm into. Well, that's, that's great. I mean, there are so <laughs> many amazing human stories that I know it, it does sound, I'll, I'll join you in the, I'm going to say something controversial at a comic convention that d that doesn't necessarily oh it's not going to be that bad calm down oh um, the, just, no just the notion that um like i i i wouldn't say that we're hit a, at a saturation point or anything i mean p people are constantly talking about like when is star wars or marvel or whatever going to hit the point like uh it is not i love it please bring it on um but there are so many great human stories of course out there waiting to be told and arguably even in in genre entertainment the stuff that really rises to the top is the good human stuff, which is why everyone yes. comes to Firefly, of course. When, yes. you, when you watch the pilot of that, for example, and everyone's just living their life, just walking around, and they've got their roles, and they're world-weary, or they're uh, excited or optimistic or pessimistic, that's, that's among the best stuff there. Yep. That's the stuff, and I, it's, it, it's in, I find myself, I don't know if I'm gonna explain this well, but I'll watch a movie and I won't remember any of the, any of the, 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 the big, maybe the, the, the plot twists, like the more, um, the, the more intellectual parts of the story, but I will remember how he looked at her mm. when they weren't talking or that moment when she was washing the dishes and she looked out the window, like that's the stuff that, that hits you. And I don't know, when I'm listening to this podcast and I'm listening to this farmer who, was listening to a radio show and he didn't have anything else to do and then he taught himself how to play the fiddle like that stuff is like i i can <laughs> just sure. eat it with a spoon i don't know so sure i i, I like I, I i like those simple human stories yeah. too yeah absolutely i i like that a lot yeah. um how how do you approach your career at this point do you find yourself riding the waves of opportunities that are presented to you or do you set goals for yourself in regards to your career um are there things that you look for and wait for or things like, yeah, I'm, I'm good in this? Well, thank you for that question. I, <laughs> it's taken some twists and turns as I've started my family. I, um, I have a three-year-old and I have a six-month-old right now. And so I'm, I am, uh, I'm, I'm home with them and it's, it's different than, uh, it's it's looking different than I thought it would. You know, when I was when I was young, I never knew how I would take this part of my life on, and um, how I would balance work. And right now, I'm I'm reading I, I'm reading scripts, and I'm I'm thinking I'm envisioning you know what I want to happen next, and I'm kind of just savoring the moment with them because it does go by so fast. Sure. But um, at this point, I don't really have a plan for I definitely want to do this or I definitely want to do that. I'm, I'm more, and, and this is how, I've, how I approached my career from the beginning. I read the script, and if I feel excited about the character, even, even more so than the, the overall story or whether it's film or whether it's TV, if I really feel connected to that character and I feel like I could bring something particular to it, then... Um, then I, I I pursue it with my whole heart, and um, I haven't I haven't been afraid to say no too because I I feel like 
certain actors are just meant for certain roles and I've been really blessed with the ones that have found me and um, I I really love doing TV though. I will say I love doing TV because I like also sticking with a role and seeing what happens mm -hmm. over time. It's so much fun. It's, um, it's a real blessing for TV actors to get to see how a character um, progresses. I mean, in, in from Firefly, I guess I could say that uh, from Firefly to Serenity, the character did progress in, uh, you know, in leaps and bounds. And with, with Cameron, the same thing. So I would love to go back to doing TV um, at some point, you know, when I'm ready to, to juggle that schedule with my little ones. Um, and, and other than that, uh, I'm, I'm really open to surprises because I never thought I was going to be a science fiction actress either. I, <laughs> I moved to LA hoping that I could do period films. <laughs> <laughs> and, and here I am, and it's been a wild ready, ride. Ready for Merchant Ivory to call you, <laughs> yes. yeah. And, and here you are. Well, uh, I I think it's great how enthusiastically received you've been, of course, by by the community after all these years. I hope you're having a good time here at this show. Yes, um, thank you, you guys. You've interacted with so many fans over the years, uh, and I'm sure that the majority of those fan interactions have been fantastic. But have you ever had a fan interaction that in public that was just deeply odd or you've ever had to sign something really bizarre and I don't mean the weird stuff we don't need to go into bizarre territories because these people love you I know one of your biggest fans is right here in the front row your bud John Paul yeah um, uh, has there ever been a moment they're like how when I moved from Texas I didn't think I'd be doing this someday in the future <laughs> every day no I, I it's it never gets normal guys um, even after all these years it's still a surprise each time you know something something um happens where you you'll you'll I'll turn to my husband and say wow you know this is just this is wild <laughs> um but I'm very protective of my interactions with the the guests at these events um it's an odd experience. It's an odd experience to meet someone in person that you've seen on TV. I had the same thing happen to me. I remember when I encountered the, um, the, the entire cast of Star Trek The Next Generation. It happened in Florida. And I had an out-of-body experience. I don't know what I was saying. I was babbling. I was sweating. I was, I was shaking. <laughs> and I, 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 I was watching myself from above. And it was, um, <laughs> it, it was very special to me. And um, so I, I've had some interesting experiences, but mm -hmm. I'll keep those for myself. <laughs> very, well, very good. <laughs> I, you know, I think it's worth pointing out, um, uh, having, I've, I've had the privilege of interviewing a lot of people over the years and like when you do press junkets and that sort of thing um, that uh, that is that is not an easy day slash week slash months for, for you guys on that end because when when we're all coming through with uh, even though everyone tries hard to come up with different questions inevitably you're gonna get a lot of the same material over and over and over again every four minutes or so someone new um, and uh, I, being protective of those moments that um, you know, you could just have, there's the one that like, I'm tired, I don't want to do this. Hey, how are you? 
and you do it. And then that's the one journalist that walks out like, I don't know what was going on with her, but now I've made up my mind <laughs> for the rest nasty. of my life about that I don't <laughs> that like. That I don't like her. Yeah. I yeah. know. I always say that about people too. Like if if um, if people come up to me and they're like, they're a jerk or, or I, I had a bad experience, I always take it with a grain of salt because because it's amazing how um, how many different shades of yourself can come out throughout a day and how many different impressions you can give even though you're the same person it's it's weird I mean I have I I have had a few meltdowns at the end of um at the end of a few events where where um I don't know my emotions just kind of get out of control I've even broke I've, I've broken into tears a few times just somebody will say something that'll that'll make me feel really sentimental or or uh, emotional and <laughs> I find myself crying so um, it's just it's it's a very interesting uh, experience this and it's also such a blessing because most actors don't ever get to be face to face with the people who have supported them and and made their career what it is and so I'm I'm very grateful and you do want each person that you meet to have the best of you you know to have the best experience and sure. to walk away feeling like I'm not disappointed with you in real life. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. It's important. Well, as as we wrap things up, I know that somewhere in some alternate universe, uh, <laughs> you are wowing a room at a Pride and Prejudice convention instead. <laughs> oh. uh, but uh, that doesn't mean that we're not thrilled to death that you're here with us today. Uh, let's hear it for Summer Glau. Thank Thanks you. so much, Summer. Thank you, guys. <laughs> That's it for this episode of 1.21 Gigawatts. Many thanks to my guest, Summer Glau, and the fine gentlemen that helped make that happen and deliver it to your ears, Eric Palomo and Dave O'Hare and Sal Zerzolo of the Garden State Comic Fest. Thanks also to Steve Olson at Little Shop of Comics, as well as Midnight Shoppers Calvin and his dad. But really, Calvin, go to sleep. This is getting ridiculous, man. If you enjoyed listening to me interrogating Summer in front of a live crowd, you'll definitely want to come back for the next episode, another live panel conversation, with this killer lineup of voiceover pros. Diane Pershing, Poison Ivy from Batman the Animated Series, Gotham Girls, and more. Marty Grabstein, the voice of Cartoon Network's Courage the Cowardly Dog, and Noel McNeil from Bear in the Big Blue House and many other Muppet-related pursuits. Do not miss it. Many, many thanks to you as well for inviting me into your ears and brain and theater of the mind to nerd out. It means more to me than you know. I'd love to hear what you think about this latest audio adventure. What do you like? What deserves to be taken out like someone who couldn't keep quiet in a John Krasinski horror movie? You can give feedback and be part of the conversation at one of the show's many social media channels. They are the 1.21 Geekawatts Facebook page, where you can follow and discuss the latest film, TV, comic book, and genre entertainment news. On Twitter, I'm at 121Geekawatts, and on Instagram, I'm 1.21 underscore Geekawatts. Plus, you can find all of those feeds in one magnificent destination at the 1.21 Geekawatts website. It has photos, blog entries, every episode to date, newsletter sign-up information, and more. Get thee to www.121geekawatts.com and soak in the nerdliness. And if you're not already aware, every episode of this podcast is available for free in the podcast section at the iTunes Store. It is so easy to subscribe and never miss a geeky second. 
You know what I'd really appreciate? Whether you're a subscriber or not, you can leave the show a review, hopefully a good one, on iTunes, which will help more people find the show because that's how computer algorithms work, apparently. And then we all make some new friends, introduce some new listeners to the fun we're having here, and that would make me a happy, happy man. It will take 30 seconds and could make such a huge difference to the team behind this podcast. As for the rest of you, if you're not an iTunes user, you can also find us by searching for 1.21 gigawatts at soundcloud.com or on Player FM. You found us on one of those platforms, so congratulations. Browse the episodes listed there and check out another one. I guarantee you'll like it, or your money back. Huge gratitude to the nobleman of the narrowband, composer and my co-producer, David Sisko. I cannot kill Sarah Connor. You have you! Give it up for Sisko, for he is and remains the best. Dear listener, if you enjoyed this travel-sized chunk of geekitude, please share it with a nerdy friend. Get on board with all those social media accounts mentioned a few seconds ago and let people know that you're listening. I know you know someone who wants to hear Summer Glau tell stories about her career and hopes and dreams. Share this episode and be a hero. I'm Brad Barton, and until next time, here's nerd rock band H2Awesome with our radtastic theme song. Thanks, guys. Bye-bye. What every geek wants is what we got From Doctor Who to Aqualad You might meet Luke and Leia's dad Pop culture that is super rad Hosted by some guy named Brad It'll rock you to your nylon Cylon socks 1.21 freaking gigawatts Also... I can kill you with my brain.